We're discovering how to live a life of purpose that God has called us to. And uh, it's amazing that this is the one thing that everyone searches for, but very few find it. Um, This is a subject that uh, is not irrelevant. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what day and age we're living in. Um, You know, the Bible is always relevant. You understand that, right? It's the most relevant thing on the face of the planet. The Bible transcends cultures. The Bible transcends age. The Bible transcends your history and your past. The Bible transcends race and skin color. The Bible transcends how much money you make. The Bible is relevant to every single person on the face of the planet. And it's just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago when it was compiled. It's just as relevant today. The words that Paul wrote to the churches uh, 2,000 years ago are still so relevant to the church today, if even more so. Even more so. Sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, did, did Paul see into the future? Did, did, how did he see? How did he? It's, it's almost like he's talking about social media and he's talking about the race issues that we deal with. And he's talking about uh, uh, the falling away that we're seeing here in these last days. It's almost like he got a glimpse of of right now. Right? And it's amazing that they were dealing with this stuff back then. It's so relevant today. And so uh, I don't have to work to make it relevant. It is relevant. Amen. It is relevant. When you accept the word for what it is, you accept the word for what it says. And we get around, we get rid of all the religion and we get rid of all the extra stuff and all the the added things and all the practices and the rules. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine right here uh, in in town and um, we were talking about uh, rules and religion. In, in regulations, and I said, that's funny, that's kind of what I just ministered on, on on Sunday, how we just have this idea that if we do something different, or if we don't do this, or if we add this, or we do this this many times, and, and how that restricts and that binds us, it doesn't set us free. And uh, he was talking about at their church, that they're kind of, you know, going through some staff things, and some different things, and, you know, at first, as a pastor, he was wanting to just tighten things. You're going to report to this. You're going to turn this in. You're going to be here at this. And, and, and he, he stopped and he said, thank God I didn't do that. He said, instead, I decided to go to my team and said, what's the vision you have for your life? What's the vision? What's the purpose for your area of ministry? Because when you get the vision and you get the purpose, you'll do all the things. And that's what God wants out of us. That's how God operates his kingdom. He doesn't operate his kingdom, you become, then you belong. He says, you belong, but then because you belong, you become. And so it's, it's not that we're trying to become more like him. We are like him. You can't be any more like Jesus than the day you, that you handed over your life to him and said, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Now, do we need to bear fruit of that? Absolutely. Do we need to get some things in check and get some things in line? Absolutely we do. But it's because of who we are, not to become who we are. That was what the enemy ultimately tried to, to bring to Eve. We, we taught on a series at the end of last year on identity. Another powerful midweek. You got you to come to midweek, man. It's, there's some good nuggets that we, we un- uncover. And we said that the enemy did not tempt Eve with fruit. He tempted her with identity. That fruit 
He said, if you eat of this fruit, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Well, if you go, if you flip back to Genesis chapter 1, it says that God made man in his image and in his likeness. She already was. But see, that's what the enemy is trying to do. And this is why people get robbed of purpose in their lives. It's because they're trying to work to get something they already have. I want to tell you something. You already have purpose. You already, God is not up in heaven saying, I wonder if I'm going to give him purpose or not. Now, you came into this planet. The Bible says that he knew you before you were even a thought to your parents, before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew you, and he didn't just know you, but he knew what you would do, and he knew how you would do it, and he knew where you would be when you do it. He knows all the answers to all the, before you had the problem, he already had the answer. And so this is the God that we serve, a God that has given us purpose. And I see so many people hurting and so many people struggling. And they think it's because it's the job. And they think it's because of their lousy marriage. And they think it's because of, of, of their friendships. And, and I just feel like a failure. But really it's because of purpose. Really it's because of the question that we're all answering, all asking and wish we could answer. Why am I here? What am I that's what it all boils down to. And so we're looking at the life of David. And we don't see a boy that was necessarily sitting out saying, what am I doing here? Oh, this is boring. I wish I was doing something else. But we're seeing the steps and we're seeing the process to purpose. How many of you know purpose is a process? It's not an overnight thing. I can't give you seven easy steps. I, I can't give you, uh, uh, you okay over there? Okay, all right, great. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody saw it, so I mean, it's just there, you know. It's all good. Hallelujah. We'll just keep driving on, edit that off the tape, and cut. Hallelujah. But we see a, a process that's taking place on how you get from the pasture to the palace. We're seeing a process how you get from serving cheese, which is the mundane, it's the irritating, frustrating sometimes, it's the obscure uh, uh, assignments that we find ourselves in and we feel like we're just going through the motions and we feel like it's routine and it becomes familiar. But if we don't serve the cheese, we don't slay the giant. If we don't serve the cheese, it doesn't. And see, the assignment is not something uh, uh, that God's trying to restrict you. He's trying to open you up. He's trying to get you in place where you can be in the right place place at the right time the right place and then that's how we feel purpose is a lot because most of the time we feel like we're in the wrong place at the wrong time but I, i've come to find out if you look in the bible a lot of the people that god used they felt like they were in the wrong place and they felt like it was the wrong time i you know it's a, it's interesting to find the people that god called in the bible and they're not jumping saying yes this is it that's what i've been waiting for most of them cowered it down and said are you, are you sure i mean you know i can't talk real good right you know i murdered a guy back in egypt you, you got that like you talking to me is there someone else here you got the wrong bush you, you're looking for someone else down the road here no he's saying moses i'm calling you I know you're hanging out here just trying to get away from it all. I know that you've blown it. You, you screwed it up, jacked it up. You've, you've, you've sent it to, to you know, you, you have f obliterated what you think I can do with you. But guess what? I'm not done. He finds Gideon in the bottom of a wine press hiding out 
Not, not, not getting together a battle plan saying, how can I stay out of the way? And see, those are the people that God is looking for. Those are the people that God ends up finding. He's not looking for the man that's just having kids left and right. He's looking for the one that can't have any and is well beyond the years of having kids and says, boom, there's my father in many nations. That's how I'm going to get my nation in this planet. And so many times we find uh, that, that it's, it's these opportunities that we resist and that we reject and we think, how can I get here? How do I get to the palace? How do I get on the stage? How do I get uh, in front of people? And, and we're, we're discovering and, and this is interesting, too, and I'm finding this out more and more, that as you grow, you never really figure it out. I, I saw a, a, a pastor that I follow on Instagram the other day. He posted. It's just weird. He just randomly posted this, and it just kind of goes in line. He posted this thing. It was a little note thing, you know, a little text thing. Uh, and, and he said, um, he said, the longer I pastor, the more and more I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> he said, don't, don't. Don't look at my Instagram and, and all the stuff that I post and think, I've, I, we figured it out. We figured out this church planning thing. We figured out this pastoring thing. He said, I, the more and more people I get, the more and more I, I, I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing. And when you look in the Bible, that, that jives, that aligns. I mean, how in the world does Elijah come off of a mountain where he just saw fire split open an altar, set, set this whole entire altar on fire that was drenched in, in water, had water all around it. And then he, you know, just a few verses later, finds him out in the desert in isolation saying, I'm the only one. God, just take me now. I don't even know why you picked me. See, these are the, ba- these are the battles, daily struggles that people with purpose have. But the, the difference is they keep going. The difference is they, they don't, they don't have, you, people with purpose aren't walking around saying, I figured it out. I got it. I'm the man. No, they stay on the inside. They're saying, I have no clue what I'm doing here. I don't even know how I got here. God, I don't even know why you entrusted me with this. God, I don't even know why you gave me that plan and gave me that purpose because I don't see it, how any way naturally I can make this. this. These are the internal conversations people with purpose have. I, I just, through this series, I just want us to understand what purpose looks like. Because we've, we've put it up on, on the billboard and we've put it on the social media and we've, we've, we've glamorized it when God's saying that's not how it works at all. And so we find this young boy, David, out in the pasture. He's anointed by God to become king. And although we would think instantly you would go from the pasture to the palace, God sends him right back to the pasture. And so we're learning that there are seasons in this process and we can't neglect the season. We can't uh, uh, hesitate or be resistant to the season that God has for us. Last week, we began to jump into this idea of transition. And there's a few more points I want to finish off here. And um, uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next thing next week. First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. We saw here uh, that this is about a year after David is anointed by uh, the prophet Samuel, ultimately by God to become the next king of Israel. Uh, From there, he ends up on an assignment to the palace, not to be a leader, but to be a servant. He ends up in the palace with King Saul himself, the very man he's going to replace. But he's not there to be a king. He's there to serve the king by 
playing a harp, playing an instrument that will soothe him and soothe the spirits, the distressing spirits that have come to torment him because the spirit of God has left. You know, when the spirit of God leaves you, that opens you up to other spirits. That's why you want to stay with the spirit of God, because what what God has called you to do, you cannot do without the Holy Spirit. Period. End of conversation. You cannot do it. You cannot do a spiritual assignment with natural abilities. You cannot perform a spiritual assignment with natural abilities. Cannot be done. That's why he's picking people that don't have the natural abilities. That's why he's asking you to do the thing you're not good at. You thought it was to do the thing you're really good at, but he's asking you to do the thing that you don't think you're good at and you don't think you're qualified for and you don't have the record for and you don't have the history, you don't have the background, you don't even have the training to be there. David did not have training to be fighting a soldier, much less a nine-foot soldier that has been trained for war, and this is what he does. He taunts and he ridicules and he calls you out and then he humiliates you in front of your entire army and then takes your entire army capture. That's what he's trained to do. You don't send a shepherd boy to do that. And so David is here in the palace, and then uh, from there he would make trips back and forth. Well, now the uh, Israelites end up out on the battlefield with the Philistines, and here we have Goliath, and we know the whole David and Goliath story, but we've missed some of these key elements. He ends up on the battlefield not looking for a fight, but serving cheese. His dad says, I need you to go check up on your brothers. Let me know how they're doing. By the way, here's a cart of cheese and bread. I need you to take it to them. And so he's like, okay. I mean, this is the first Meals on Wheels program right here. It's instituted right there. And he's taking this food out. And we saw a couple interesting things last week in verse 22. It, it said, uh, well, first in, in verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 20. So David rose early in the morning. So he, he operated with intentionality, right? Sometimes we devalue the assignment and we're not as intentional about it. We're not as uh, 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 deliberate with it. But he, he rose early in the morning. He says, hey, if that's the assignment, if that's what you need me to do, I'm doing it. I'm going to go after that assignment just as if it was the assignment that I wanted. Amen. He rose early in the morning. And then it says this. And he left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. Left the sheep. So what are we seeing? He did not enter a new season without covering the last season. And so we said this, that how you leave one season determines how you enter the next season. And in the church, we haven't been real good at this. We haven't done this transition uh, uh, thing uh, to the best of our ability uh, because there is a process to transition. We don't just get within ourselves, uh, uh, I need to be somewhere else, or I feel like God's moving me on to somewhere else, which, is, which happens. God will give you different assignments and he'll place you in different places. The Bible tells us that we are placed in the body as it pleases him. And even in your own personal life, 
Even, you know, you may have had a season where you were a stay-at-home mom and you stay, but, but now you're, you're, you're sensing that you need to go into the workplace and go into the work field and, and you need to start pursuing that. And it seems beyond you and it seems like there's no way I could do that. I couldn't leave the kids and da da da, da. And, and so God will move you, but God will never, never move you to the next thing without having something to cover the last thing. And so we saw that he left the sheep with the keeper. And then we go on down to verse 22. Well, let's just read it through. Verse, uh, verse 20. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight, shouting for the battle for Israel. And the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. Verse 22. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, came and greeted his brothers. He left the supplies. So you see, every time he's going from one thing to the next, he's making sure this is covered. He's not neglecting what is now for what's next. He's not neglecting where he's coming from as he's going towards what's ahead of him. So we've got to understand that this transition thing is just as important as the assignment itself. And sometimes we can miss what God is wanting to do in transition because all we're thinking about is I'm coming out of this and I'm going to that. And there's a, there's a process, there's principles. Remember that this is all learning and developing David for his purpose. This is all opportunities where David is being developed, not on the outside, not with what is in his hand necessarily, but with what, with what is in his heart. God is working on David's heart in each of these opportunities. And David, so far, he's eating it up. He's doing it. Okay, you just anointed me king. Obviously, I want to be in the palace. Because God will always give you a glimpse of your vision and a glimpse of the end before you're ever ready to do it. He will call you to what you're going to do and then develop you to do it. This is how the purpose works. This is how vision works. It's not vision if you're already doing it. Because vision is denoted by faith. If it doesn't take faith, it's probably not a vision. It's probably not God's vision. It's probably not a big enough vision. Your vision for your life, if I can just put it this way, should scare you. It's just, it's, you should, if your initial response isn't no, it's probably not big enough you will say no you will want to say no you will say there's no way god you got the wrong we'll have all those internal things that we just talked about but this is how god operates with vision god all god wants you to do something bigger he's not pleased unless we're operating by faith the bible says it is impossible to please god without faith the thing that i've learned is the, the second that I acquired the thing that I was once believing for, God's already moved on to the next thing. The second that I, man, we, pray, we prayed for this building. And God's already like, yeah, great building. That's nice. Here's, here's what else I got for you. That's how God operates. And so you've got to have visionaries. You've got to have people with vision. And you can't grow complacent in the new season where God has called you. You've always got to be driving on to the next thing. There was a, and, and so many times, if we're not careful, we'll complain about the thing we once prayed about. Don't believe me? Look at Numbers chapter 13. 
Look at what happened to the Israelites. Couldn't even make it one generation without forgetting why they were even in the promised land to begin with. The promised land. Past tense. It was already theirs. The people that God wanted to take it couldn't even take it. He had to give it to their kids. Because they had, because God could get them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we think if we just change geographic locations, well, if I go over here, the problem is, is, is God can move you in an assignment naturally. But if you don't get moved spiritually, you won't be able to acquire or take on what, what is needed in the next season. That's what the Israelites did. They complained, how in the world do you come out of slavery? I know it blows our minds, but yet we do it all the time. They come out of slavery 400 plus years. That's all they've ever known. Born into it. Come out and, and you've got water coming out of rock. You've got breakfast. You've got biscuits and honey sitting on the ground waiting for you. I mean, that's the egg and I at your doorstep, man. You don't even have to drive down the street. You don't have to place an order. Boom. But it didn't take very long. We're like, Again, manna again, could you change up the menu a little bit? And God is sustaining them. God is working on their behalf. But if we're not careful, we'll complain about the very thing that we once prayed about, believed for. I want to show you three things tonight about transition. Three perspectives of transition, if you will. Because I, I don't want us to miss... What's in, I don't want us to get into seasons that we didn't transition into healthily. We didn't transition well. And we're seeing that there's a value not just for season to season, but the transition in the middle. Number one, transition is not merely a stepping stone. Transition is not merely a stepping stone. And we've kind of spiritualized that a little bit. God's going to use God's going to use this in my life because of what I need later on. And that's very true. But that perspective, that perspective robs us of the power in the transition. So rather than valuing the transition, uh, most of the time we're our, our focus and our emphasis is on what's next rather than what's now. Our focus becomes on, well, I know just one day. And, and so what people end up doing is they're just buying their time. They're just buying their time in this season. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm serving in this area, but, you know, one day I know I'm going to be here. And, and so I just know this is just a step. But, but, but here's the thing. This is what God told me. Treat the first step like you would treat the last step. Treat the first step like you would treat the last step. So if you would do it up here, do it down there. If you would, if, if you would do it as the owner, then, then do it as the teller. If you would do it as the manager, if you would do it for $15 an hour, then do it for $10 an hour. Are you hearing me? If you would do it with, with, with only two people under you, if, if you would do it with only uh, with 10 people under you, do it. The same way with two people. We're the ones that, you realize that? We're the ones that categorize importance level. We're the ones that, that put that on a scale. But God doesn't. God just says season. Season. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 25. 
Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. This is the parable of the talents. We have a master that's going on a long journey and he's got three servants and he delivers to each one of them three different levels of talents. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one. Now, I want you to recognize five, two and one is irrelevant. They all belong to the master. They all belong. We're simply stewarding what belongs to someone else. And this is what it says to each According to his own ability. Some of us get disappointed when we get handed an assignment that we think is below us. Let me tell you something. You are only getting what you have proven you can handle. You are only receiving what you have proven you can handle. To his own ability. So the master's not even the one determining five, two, or one. The individual receiving is. The one is. The one is saying, uh, 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 Master, this is what I've proven that I can handle. I can, I can handle one. I can handle two. I can handle five. And then we keep on going. He who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The master is looking to settle accounts with what we've been given. All of us. He'll return and he'll say, here's what you, here's what you had. Now, what did you bring? Here's what I gave you. What are you giving me? And you know what's also interesting? It doesn't say anywhere in here that the master looked each one of the servants in the eye and said, now, what, here's, what's, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take that five, and I want you to trade it and uh, double it. Bring me back ten. You, you got two. I want you to take it, trade it. None of that's communicated. I've learned there are three different kinds of people. There are those that don't do what they're told to do. Like the... The one here with the, the, uh, the other two knew something about the master enough to know when he comes back, he's not looking for five and he's not looking for two. He, he's looking for something else, more. And we learn that later on. The master says to the lazy servant, the wicked and lazy servant, you should have at least stuck it in the bank. I could have gotten my own back plus I'm not looking back, looking to just receive back what I gave you. I'm looking for more. But he never communicates that. There are those that don't do what they're told to do. There are those that do exactly what they're told to do and nothing more. And then there are those that do beyond what they're asked to do. They do without having to be asked. 
the intentionality and the taking initiative and a self-awareness. And, and, and this is what the master is looking for. I don't have to communicate everything to you and say, this is when you need to be here. And this is when you need to do that. And this is what I'm no. He's looking to see what will you do without me even putting it out there. You just know my character. You know, my nature, you know, me well enough as your master. You've got a relationship with me enough that you know that this isn't going to cut it. I'm looking for more than that. No action. Those that do exactly what they are asked to do, that's reactive. And then we have those that do more than what they're asked to do. Those are proactive. And God is looking for proactive people. So we've got to treat the first step like the last step. We don't look at the value of what he's given us because we're the only ones that assess that value. And the master is not asking you to produce what someone else is called to produce. He didn't go to the wicked servant, the lazy servant, the one with one, and say, uh, uh, now I want, I want you to get ten like that guy over there. We know what he was looking for. He was looking for him to double it. The master was joyful. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little. And we've misinterpreted that scripture for so long. If you'll be faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. That's not what it says. It's even better than that. It says if you'll be faithful with little, you will be made ruler over much. There's another season. God doesn't want you in a position where you're just taking orders. He wants you to be in a position where you can give orders. He wants you to rule over it, not just have to be ruled by it. But we start out faithful with little. We'll be made ruler over much. Number two. Number two, the grace of God is in the will of God. The grace of God is in the will of God. Now, I need to define grace first because that's been misinterpreted. Grace is empowerment. Grace is an enablement from God. That's what grace is. Grace is not a covering. Grace is not a band-aid. Grace is an empowerment. Grace is not something that just covers sin. Grace is something that empowers you to live above sin. You don't even have to live bound by it. God did not come just to save you from the punishment of sin. He came to save you from the power of sin. God, he didn't just say, okay, so you, don't, you won't have to pay a price for all your sins, but, but you're just going to keep on and you're stuck in it. There's nothing I can do about that, but at least you want to. No, no, no. He said not just the punishment, but the power of it. But now grace is this empowerment. And, and, and the grace in 1 Samuel uh, or with David is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's the anointing that came upon his life. That anointing was an empowerment to help him perform the functions that he was calling him to do. You've got to be anointed. You can't do it on your own natural ability. You've got to have a supernatural assistance. God wants to give you a supernatural assistance for a supernatural assignment. He wants to give you a supernatural assistance for a supernatural assignment. But that assistance is only good for the calling that he's placed on your life and for the season that you're in. 
And we'll get to it. We'll talk about comparison. We'll talk about all that uh, because that comes up a little bit later in this chapter. But, but so many times, especially in ministry, I see so many people stuck in the comparison trap. I see so many people stuck in trying to do what they're trying to write books when God's never called them to write books. But their friends are writing books and their pastors are writing books and the people that they follow on the Internet are writing books. So I must need to write a book. And the grace of God is not there to empower them to do an assignment he did not call them to do. If you're a stay at home mom, you can't desire to be in the workplace like somebody that's like, man, they're just super mom. I mean, they just work this job. They do this nine to five. and They're just doing so much. And then they come home and they take care of their kids. And they're just, man, it's awesome. I'm going to try. No, he called you to be stay at home. He called you to care for the children that are in your house. That's what he called you to do. He didn't call you to write a blog when you've got a three-month-old at home. I'm telling you right now. The grace of God is in the will of God. David learned this in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We want to skip ahead a little bit, jump ahead in his life. In 2 Samuel chapter 11... 2 Samuel, he's already king by this point now. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. And it happened in the spring of the year. That's a season. That's literally a season, spring. At the time when kings go out to battle. So where are the kings? At battle, fighting battles. David is king. That David sent Joab and his servants with him. And all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But, but David remained at Jerusalem. David remained at Jerusalem. He's out of place. He's out of assignment. He's out of his calling. Well, I mean, you know, that's okay. I mean, he's, he's got servants. He sent he sent people to take care of him. I mean, he's doing a great job. Well, then you've got verse two. Then it happened. And, and, and this is how it, take, it happens. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And he didn't stop there. Why? Because he's out of place. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. The grace of God is in the will of God. And it's dangerous to find ourselves in positions that God has not called us to be in or not doing what he's called us to do in chasing after something else. And you'll end up in then it happened situations. You didn't intentionalize it. You weren't, you weren't staying home to do that. But, but it showed up because you're trying to do something you weren't empowered to do. You weren't graced to do. You, you weren't equipped to do. And on top of that, we've eliminated the assignment that God called us to. This is why it's important to be in the right place at the right time versus being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Then it happened. So David learns. Eventually, you want to be where God's told you to be. And you want to do what God's called you to do. And sometimes, sometimes God will show you in advance. We already talked about the vision and the purpose that shows up. When we're not developed to do it, this is why you need to go under the seasons to get there. 
Because if you try to take that on now, you'll fail. If you try to take it on now, you haven't received the equipping. You haven't received the knowledge. I was just talking with another pastor, a friend of mine. Um, I talked to a lot of pastors. That's good. Um, I was talking to another pastor friend of mine, and uh, uh, they're getting ready to go start a church. Go re- getting ready to go plant a church. And they're serving on staff at another church right now. And uh, the wife said, you know, we've, been, we, we've known for four years that we were supposed to do this. And four years ago, we thought that we were ready. In fact, everybody gave us a green light except for God. Everybody gave us a green light except for God. God gave us a red light, which let me just give you a little side note. Some people hesitate and they don't step out into the purpose and into the season that God's called them to because they're waiting on a green light from God. And if he doesn't give you a red light, do it. Unless he's holding you up. Unless he's blatantly saying, nope, it's not your time. But people look for these signs, and they look for all this stuff saying, okay, now you're ready. You're not going to feel ready. The finances won't be totally in order, and not everybody's going to agree with you. And you might not even have a job set up, and it's not going to make sense, and it's not going to do this, and it's not going to do that. And, and, and everything naturally is going to say, don't do it. But if God isn't holding you up, go. Do it. Right, Pastor Caleb? Had that conversation with Pastor Caleb at a red light. That helped drive my point home. Sitting, pulling out of Home Depot. We were up here doing construction on a Remerton building, moving into the old, uh, well, the new old location. It was the new building for us then. It's the old building for us now. Moving over there, and we were picking up some supplies from Home Depot, and we were talking about him and his wife. They, they knew they were supposed to be here in Valdosta, and we're just having the conversation. And he's like, you know, we're just waiting on this, and, you know, just, you know, we, we, you know waiting on that. I said, what, what, what's stopping you, man? What, what, what's going on? I said, I said, is God telling you not to? Or are you just waiting for him to say yes to? Because there's a difference. So you got to know your seasons. You got to know when God's prompting you. You got to know when God's saying, nope, it's not time. And so this couple that I was talking to, you know, they, they knew that, you know, God wasn't putting. And that's, that's sometimes, you know, everybody, everything else will say yes and God will say no. And then everything else will say no and then God will say yes. Because this church now, they just recently moved into a brand new facility, moved into a brand new building. And they're like, it just seems so weird leaving when we're in the middle of this major transition. We've only been here eight months, and, and there's so much to learn, and our position is really needed. But we, we know that this is the timing. This is it, and our pastors confirmed it. And we're working. To, it's just amazing how God works. We said that last week. A lot of times when it feels like you should stay, that's when God is saying go. And a lot of times when you feel like it's time to go, God is saying, stay. That's why you got to know the Holy Spirit. That's why you got to be in a... And people want to run to the Holy Spirit without relationship. Haven't spent any time developing a relationship with Him. Don't even know what His voice looks like, sounds like. Doesn't, doesn't even know what a prompting even feels like. And, and then all of a sudden, oh, Holy Spirit, I, I need you. I, I need to know God. I need to... Well, if you were talking to me all this time, I be, would be in a lot better off position right now. You would know that. And we know that David spent time in the pasture getting to know his God, building that relationship. So he was able to recognize these seasons. But the grace of God is in the will of God. You will not be able to function in an assignment God has not called you to do when it's outside of your season. 
The third thing, in transition, and, and this has happened to me plenty of times. I know it's happened to others. In transition, there's this stuck point. You know there's something else, but you don't know there's something else. You know he's calling you. You know he's moving you. You know he's in those moments. If you don't know what to do next, keep doing what you know to do now. If you don't know what to do next, keep doing what you know to do now. If you don't, what, if you don't know what the next thing is, keep doing the last thing he told you to do. Keep doing the last thing he told you to do. Don't abandon that. And that's, I, I see it happen so many times. They start checking out. Becoming infrequent. Now, I'm not just talking in church. Obviously, that's where I relate. But I see people do it with their job. Oh, I just know there's another job. And all of a sudden, they start showing up late. Having I don't care attitude. Not serving and, 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 and you know, pursuing as if you know they're trying to move up in the company i mean this is what i see i I just know there's another job i I know i mean god God. keep doing what you're doing now until you have clarity on what to do next and this is the thing i've also found many times god wants to send the next thing to you rather than you having to run to it And you can be searching, you can be praying, you can be doing all the, all the search and all the interviews, uh, you know, having all the move forward conversations. And, and God all along has been saying, I'm trying to bring it to you. Will you please just stand still so I can get it to you? I'll be dead honest with you. I did not pray about any transition, any major transition in my life. I was not in my prayer closet on my hands and he's saying, God. What is the next thing, God? I just know. No. I was so busy doing, God had to get my attention. God actually interrupted what I was doing. I had plans. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I had plans. When I moved from Oklahoma back to Texas after Bible school, I had plans. I was already enrolled in school. Thanks, God. You couldn't have told me this like two months ago. And he works out every time. When I moved from Texas to Florida, I had plans. When I went from from uh, just serving and just doing whatever I could to actually getting an actual position on staff, I, I wasn't saying, God, when's my position? When's my time? God is trying to get the thing to you. And if you find yourself wrenching yourself trying to find the next season and do the next thing most of the time you are forfeiting energy to what you could be doing now because you're applying it to what you're trying to do next and you're compromising that energy and you're recompromising that effort that you could be given to that pastor given to that boss given to those co-workers given to your customers because you're off in la la land thinking about the next thing and god has still got you in a position right here right now saying what are you handling right now and that burden will come up and the burning you'll begin to sense because because you'll 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 know there, there, there's something coming But God isn't trying to get you to ignore 
what you currently have now. God is never going to have you move on to the next thing and compromise what you're doing right now. He'll never do it. He won't do it. That's not how he works. Even when Jesus transitioned from this planet. Well, I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure what the Father's got in mind. You know, I'm, I'm sure he'll take care of you somehow. But I'm out of here, guys. Three years. Taking about as much as I can take. No, what did he say? Guess what? I'm going to be with the Father and it's to your advantage. You're going to be thankful that I've gone to the Father because then he can send the Holy Spirit and he's going to say exactly what I've been saying. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to lead you. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your helper. That's how transition takes place. God, God isn't going to violate his own principle. God's not going to violate his own law just to get you where you want to be. He's going to honor that. I'm telling you, when we transition, we said this last week, when we transition, when we leave one season on to the next, the people are, or the season that you're leaving from shouldn't be thanking God you're leaving and throwing you a party saying, get on out of here. But they should be saying, man, is there any way we can keep you? Are you sure? That's how we transition. Believers, kingdom people. That's how we move from one thing to the next. Amen.